Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst The trailer looking at Billy Bones Paolo DiCaneo West Ham United We celebrate Hello everybody, good evening, you are listening to More Than Just A Podcast podcast. Uh, with me, George, and Reese is the only other one here in the studio. Hello, Reese. Yeah, it's just uh, us today. Empty, empty. Uh, are we going to fill in why people aren't here, or are we just going to plow on? Uh, Sean's got another Aladisagram booking, as he admits later on in the podcast, and John is um, just not taking part. Yeah, I think he's pulled up with an injury. Yeah, he's pulled out with a. Uh, with an injury, yeah, it's uh, non-sports related. Um, mm. But yeah, so Reese, you didn't actually watch the game on Sunday. Did I did. You? Oh, you did. I did, but I, I'm not going to lie on here. Um, I watched the first half and then I watched Elf. Oh, really? On Channel Four. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So uh, I did watch the game. Uh, it was the disappointing three-two loss. Mm. Uh, but I've seen the highlights. Yes, that helps. That's good. So I've seen all goals. 3-2 loss against Liverpool, where we, we took the lead at one point after being 1-0 down. Um, what was your v- verdict on it, Reese? What did you think about it? Um, I thought you got more out of... Uh, just a podcast. More, yeah. Quick plug-in for a show people are listening to. But, um, yeah, I think 3-2, some people might um, not agree with me on this, but I think it kind of flattered West Ham. The 3-2. I think both goals, I think it wasn't a penalty, which I'm sure we'll cover that in a minute. And the other one was just an own goal. But I didn't think West Ham, after what happened last week, didn't really get out of uh, second gear, really, to be honest. And with a team with Liverpool not playing well, with no striker up top, I think uh, they didn't capitalise on what yeah, could I have think, been I a think better I, result. I, I definitely expected a win mm. against Liverpool, especially a Liverpool side without I wouldn't say a win, Luis I'd probably a draw would have been. No, a I expected result. a win. Okay, we've been playing. We've been playing really well recently. Uh, we come off the back of a big result against Chelsea. I was a bit disappointed with the loss, but as you said, I don't. I don't think we ever really stepped up no. to play at a high enough level to beat a team like Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if we'd have played like we did the second half against Chelsea, I reckon we would have demolished them. Yeah. But um, we never really stepped up to no. the first gear. once and the first one went in. Well, Johnson's goal was a worldie. Then yeah. we'd we done well to get back into it from there. I mm. know I know there was a lucky penalty and I know it was a lucky own goal, but we made the chances. We made the penalty chance and we made the own goal. Mm. Um, mm. And then we tried to defend hard. The army went off and it all fell apart. Yeah. Um, someone who I didn't go to the game. I watched the game. Um, Reese didn't watch the game. John watched the game, but he's not here. Yeah. And the only person who went to the game but is not here is Sean. But of course, being Sean, he recorded it. And this is his overview of the game, followed by the outside broadcast, um, which we had a lot of good reviews back from people who listened to the podcast last week who enjoyed the outside broadcast of the Chelsea match. So Sean continued the tradition and this is it. Hi guys, sorry I can't be there in person tonight. I had another Sam Allardyce grand booking which clashed with the podcast tonight. But you know, I have to record my thoughts of the game. I was the lone striker going to West Ham yesterday because uh, George was too hungover and John didn't want to leave the comfort of his armchair as it was on, on telly. But uh, I took the opportunity to take my six-year-old son, Finley, uh, for his first game and he said to me on the way, he's very excited, he said uh, there will be lots of West Ham goals. What well, he didn't, he was right. He was right. Unfortunately, most of them came from former West Ham people, and the only one from open play came from James Collins as an own goal as well. Uh, Stevie Gerrard got one in, obviously, and uh, as did Mark Noble from a, from a dodgy penalty decision. Here's my thoughts of the game. Um, when I was there, I thought we were a bit unlucky. I thought we should have come away with saying at least a draw, uh, and at half-time, we wanted the win. You know, we were 2-1 up, and I thought we'd push on for a third. But it wasn't to be. Normal old West Ham. No goals from open play, was there? Uh, Carlton Cole had an absolute brilliant game. His hold-up play, he did everything except put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Jarvis had another good game as well. I thought he did well, although his defending was a bit dodgy uh, in the early part. Tompkins came on and, and probably didn't do as much in that midfield role. Uh, the big the big shot was the army coming off on the, what was it, 70th off minute with a hamstring for 12 weeks and uh, we missed him and uh, it was not long after that they scored two goals. Again, Joe Cole uh, scored the second like uh, Glenn Johnson. He didn't celebrate um, and it was good that Joe Cole didn't celebrate. The third one I thought came from Jojo Shelby, another schoolboy West Ham, but actually it, the last touch came off James Collins so it went down as an own goal. Uh, small recompense that um, Stevie Gerrard, little playback for the FA Cup final, got an own goal and we were singing uh, um, Stevie Gerrard is a cockney and there's only one Stevie Gerrard and uh, he scores when he wants, he scores when he wants, which was quite amusing. Um, anyway, you know, I suppose in the light of the day, I'm recording this on the way to work the next day, you know, maybe it was fair. You look at the stats, they had more... Uh, the possession was 50-50 and, and you know, they, they had more shots. Um, but I thought the fair result would have been a draw. And I think there's no shame in the way we played. Uh, it's just unfortunate being 2-1 up. Um, as we said to Chelsea, and um, we were singing it, uh, 2-1 and we f-
Everton versus Liverpool. Come on, you Irons.
same close, so close there to making it 2-1. Brilliant play by West Ham since the goal. We did throw it all away. Yeah, or as uh, Jojo. Sean, yeah, Sean uh, nearly said about Jojo Shelby's finish. <laughs> yeah, Jojo. He went and, and we had to did. bleep him out as well. That's how rude he was. Yeah, on the way to work. I know. So you can't even blame alcohol. 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 Yeah. So Crazy. yeah, we we threw it away. Um, but hey, let's move on. And we're we're, we're doing all right, aren't we, Rhys? Fine. Positive, yeah. positive, positive words, reinforcement. Yeah. yeah, no, we're doing fine. Uh, as are just me and you doing the podcast. We're I doing know, quite I well. know. It's so. Thirteen minutes as I see scrolling past. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the real test because you know why. Yeah, I know. I kind of forgot about it until you mentioned it to me earlier. It's time for. Fan of the week. And this week's fan of the week is David. Hello, David. Hello, guys. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? We're good. We're all good. Yeah, yeah no, I'm good. It's, a, it's not always nice going back to work on a Monday after watching a West Ham lose, but... Uh, no, no. Well, we, we had a worse with a hangover. We had our, uh, <laughs> had our high point of going back to work last week mm-hmm. um, with the Chelsea win, but, you know, back normal service resumes this weekend. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I suppose at the start of the season you'd have looked at the fixture and probably would have written it off as possibly a, a, a draw, but most likely kind of a defeat. Liverpool seems to always have that knack of beating us at home, don't they? Yeah, Crazy. and and away as well, really, and yeah, on neutral yeah. ground as well. Liverpool, um, <laughs> Liverpool, and Everton always seem to get six points up. Oh, a lot they? of wounds there, George. Yeah, I know. 
Not scars. Oh, got, it's not bitter at all, of course. No, no. no. Um, so, Reese is going to be your Fan of the Week interviewer, because last okay. week he um, accepted the challenge of doing the interview, so Reese, take it away. Yeah, so uh, if uh, there's any mistakes anyone want to point out, then uh, don't, because it's not nice. So, like we said, we're with David, and uh, David, uh, what got you into being a West Ham fan, then? Oh, it's a, it's a family thing. I think if you, you ask most... Uh, most West Ham fans, it seems to be uh, it's something that's uh, not something you choose, it's something that uh, it kind of passed down to you really. Yeah, I've, uh, I've heard that a lot. That a lot. Yeah, it's something that you know, whenever whenever you see, meet people at the pub, you sort of um, oh yeah, so how long have you been a West Ham fan? Uh, as long as I can remember really. You know, you know, mm-hmm. getting taken, taken Everyone has their own story. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so did you uh, used to go and watch games as a youngster or? An armchair yeah, well, fan, as uh, the as Sean would call him. Yeah, as Sean would say about John. Yeah, no, I I was always um, keen to get to go to games. It was kind of a fluctuate season ticket wise, but it, you know it was always um, you know various di- different season tickets and all the different stands. I feel quite blessed really that I've been able to sit in all the different stands and really get a good taste of what the different areas of Upton Park for the bowling's like, yeah. Um, yeah. and. Uh, also been to a lot of away games as well, which is I, I love away games. Oh, it's nice. the, the highlight of the year. For, Any you know, uh, recent ones you've been to this season? Any away games this year? Or um, well, I I was actually just talking to somebody the other day about the championship. And I got all, I got muddled up between the champ the championship games and the, the Premier League game, away games I went to. Uh, right. uh, probably the last one I went to. Just thinking back now, probably yes. Well, Spurs was the last one I went to. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's oh, a not bad one, United. Yeah. 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 Well, it was, really, wasn't it? We got well, yeah. But for the whole day, bar the football, which yeah. is quite of a big day for Oh, it. yeah, no, it is. I mean, that's definitely the the one that I am... Um, as soon as uh, the fixtures come out, when we're playing Spurs away in the diary, and it's kind of like uh, Tottenham away is always the same away day, really. It's mm. um, sort of meeting at Liverpool Street for a few drinks and then going on from there, really, and doing the same walk, getting to the same bit of the Would ground. Do you concur, George? Or? <laughs> oh, I concur. Really? I'm always going to Tottenham away. Yeah, so on the topic of this season then, uh, Liverpool's game, how do you mm-hmm. think it went then? Well, really, I, I thought the game changed when Diami went off and Tompkins came on. Um, mm, yeah. I said, I turned to somebody and said, yeah, I think we're going to struggle. I mean, we didn't have a lot left on the clock, but um, within kind of 30 seconds, you could just see the space that was just suddenly opened um, and I think I sat there thinking, well, I honestly thought we'd probably get a draw. I think at the start of the game, I thought yeah, Liverpool, I think that was everyone's. Yeah, Liverpool everyone's were, were, were all over us. They scored, which uh, you know was, it was probably coming. They didn't create anything, but they were probably on top. And then obviously we came back. Um, I thought we were perhaps quite fortunate to go in at half time ahead. I thought perhaps if we'd gone in a draw, I think that would have been perhaps a fair reflection. And then second half, we seemed to come out and we played really, I thought we played really positively. We had them right on the back foot, but we just didn't punish them, which yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably the first time this season that we've not actually taken a game and actually punished them for, you know, for, for, having, for having dominance. And it was like it was a friendly, if you know what I mean. And then, mm, they, yeah. they, you know, Diame got injured and that was it. We were um, on the back foot and... Uh, I, I didn't yeah. actually see it at the time, but because um, I sort of like, obviously saw Joe Cole's goal, but I was sitting in the Apari Upper up the other end. I couldn't 
see. I wanted to see if he celebrated or not because no, you know, no he, didn't. he didn't. He put his hands he up. Did he didn't, And I watched yeah. the highlights, and you could see that you could see for a split second he felt like he'd scored a really good goal, which it was. I mean, albeit it was pretty sure he defended, but um, and he kind of turned and he just very quickly realised. Um, which I think was very nice to see, really. Um, yeah, it's rare to see these days. Well, he said in his post-match interview that he scored a couple against West Ham and never celebrated. But I seem to remember him celebrating when he scored against us when he was playing for Chelsea. I was trying to find it earlier, but yeah. Oh, I don't trying remember that one. On that one. So you're saying you were there on the Sunday, was it? I can remember yeah. then. Uh, yeah. Talking about uh, Upton Park and stadiums, of course with the Olympic... Stadium You're always doing really well, by the way, It's fine, You're I know really how I'm linking everything to go. It's fine, <laughs> don't worry. I'm winging everything. Um, yeah, on the topic of the Olympic Stadium, uh, how's your views on that? Should uh, West Ham be moving there, or do you think they should stay at the Bowling? Oh, it's so difficult. I mean, I, being a very politician, I can't give you a straight yes or no answer. For me, it's very much... Um, You're I can see. I can see the positives of moving, yeah. um, but I can also... Uh, I think the positives of staying, but I can see why... Um, there's such a strong view for people wanting mm. to stay. I mean, personally, I would like for West Ham to be in a bigger stadium, you know, a stadium that, um, you know, suits the, the, all the needs of the, for the modern football um, and also the facility of obviously bringing in extra income through other events, which the Olympic Stadium does offer you. But I just couldn't see West Ham not being at Upton Park or mm. the bowling. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it is a hard one. And it I definitely I, I sit on the fence as well with that one. I think it's one of them you'll have to until it it's actually happens point, you won't see. know. Like if you're there and it's was it sixty thousand potentially? Yeah. It means packed to the rafters, sixty thousand people in there. It's going to be an atmosphere anyway, no matter what. I think you, you, I mean, you, you I won't know till you actually get there. But yeah, I haven't seen the plans in detail. I mean, I think David Gold has come out and said that he's he's not avert to having like a, a standing section, which I think he's probably just said to kind of. Um, Soften the blow. Yeah. Safe standing, they say. And whether it actually happens, I don't know. Safe standing, yeah. Are they but just going to bring it back into... Is that into every... Well, I'm guessing every well, premiership ground, I think, potentially. I think there's a couple of premiership teams that are, are sort of campaigning to bring it back. And then uh, David Gold's come out and said, well, if we get the Olympic Stadium, we'd definitely consider asking for it. See, that's a... That's a positive, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I have to be. I have to be honest. Uh, most <laughs> every away game I go to, I don't stand. I don't sit. Sorry. No, no, we, we don't. We we sit in the um, Trevor Brook in Lower, and we never sit for any home games either. Yeah, well, that's that's very predominantly my season ticket was. For, you know, for going back the last sort of few years, um, and you know, you just love it. I love standing. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine watching football sitting down, and and when I've been to a few other home team games for different clubs um, and that's to say I've felt weird sitting down watching mm. football this sort of like. mm. so David you are the editor you're David Blackmore editor of Blowing Bubbles magazine that's right um, yeah do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your magazine and where they can get it etc yeah well basically Blowing Bubbles is um, it's predominantly a digital magazine that um, people can get uh, on their computer iPads or iPhones on a Friday before uh, a home Premier League game um, and you can find that at www.blowing-bubbles.co.uk. It is actually that I believe that the kind of the country's first, foot, you know, football club-related fanzine is actually digitally online. Nice. It's completely free. Mm. Um, it's something that um, a lot of the other fanzines, because I have a lot of dealings with kind of the other clubs, 
because we do kind of opposition views and they write, you know, you know, 500 words and what they think about West Ham yeah. and stuff, and they look at the products and they they really like it. It's uh, it's something we've been getting about. Well, we're averaging now about 1,400 readers oh, per wow. issue um, from across the world. Um, so it's, I really think it's uniting West Ham fans across into kind of one publication because there are so many blogs and forums out there. But mm. there's, it, it's bring them all to one place. Bring them the to one man, place, yeah. as they say. Well, yeah, and um, you know we've got collaborations now with websites like um, Forever West Ham. And there's a new blog out, um, um, more than more than the club, oh, and uh, close. you know we um, they write for us and we give them a plug in the fanzine. I mean they're not they're not a rival to us because we produce something that's different to them. Yeah. But you know we can work together, and that's what it, that's what it is. Just working well, together. Feel, to feel feel free to give us a plug, David. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, Sean's already scratch Charles. We'll scratch that. yours. You know the deal. <laughs> well, exactly. And <laughs> if yeah, you've you've got that collaboration with other people. It also gives you a bit more. Um, you know, people can say, "Oh, they're associated with this brand." Well, I listen, I like you know listening to these guys, or I like reading this blog. You know, and yeah. so that's, that gives you just kind of that bit more seal of approval. Um, but the other good thing about it is we have like subscriptions, and um, it's it's grown phenomenally since the start of the season. But we we deliver the fake magazines um, that on the Friday, so you don't have to go to the ground and buy. Uh, yeah. A program or or a fanzine, it, you've got it delivered to you. You can read it going yeah. to the game to get you in the mood, and then the rest of it you read on the way back is getting you in the mood for the next game, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think any other people do. And the country, I've heard. certainly not for West Ham. Yeah. Good yeah. idea. And uh, towards the end of uh, our conversations, there's always the uh, question, isn't there? That's so either week football question. or non-football related. David, feel free to ask anything that might be in the brain of yours. Well, the, the one big thing that I've been reading a lot about today is the possibilities of kind of putting up netting at a football stadium. Yeah. Um, do you know what your thoughts were on that and whether whether they should look to introduce it around uh, corner flags or, or, or vulnerable areas of the pitch? And kind of the second question as part of that is, have you ever seen people throwing coins at football games? I'll go, I'll go first. No, you go first. No, I'll take this one. All right. Um, <laughs> I anyone else? I yeah. think I think that it should be considered in place. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This is where it's happened. And I think they should work at it like that. So if, if for instance, what happened on, at City on Sunday, then City should be the first club to have nets put up. And if their fans complain, then they can say, well, that's because your fans have been chucking stuff at players. Um, and no, personally, I haven't. But I know it's happened at Upton Park because I'm not, I seem to remember Perez getting hit by a coin when taking a throw-in, playing for Arsenal. I might have had my players mixed up. But yeah, I've seen it happen, but I didn't see it first person. I think I saw it on the, on the TV. Mm, I haven't seen it myself, uh, anything like coins and that thrown. But I don't think netting is, is, is a good idea or so. I know they're probably small nettings and that in the holes, but you're still going to be able to get stuff out you're going oh, to be yeah, able to throw you'd coins have to, you'd have to you'd have to find some type of net and, and wouldn't let coins <laughs> yeah but <laughs> you, you they'll, they'll easily be broke you can there'll be ways around it and stuff and i just think no matter how much um protection and uh safety there are to the players and that if there's thousands of fans wanting to get on the pitch they're going to get on the pitch yeah. So I just think if there's always going to be a few idiots, if you want to call it like that, throwing stuff and trying to get on the pitch, it's going to happen. It's part and parcel. I think that's why we love football because things don't happen. Really? Yeah. Controversial stuff. Controversial stuff. stuff. Not anything bad, but everyone likes a good streaker on the pitch now and again. Yeah. It does brighten what up. What do you think, David? Uh, What's your views on Miserable it? time sometimes. Well, I, I think that I can understand the logic of having it in there, but I think it also sends the perhaps a the wrong message it's kind of saying to people it's then setting a barrier to people to then kind of it's like people say don't do that well the first thing you want to do is do that you know they say don't touch this button and you want to touch the button so yeah. put, putting a net in place is kind of saying to people well you know you might you know can you get a coin through that and all it needs is like a couple of birds or whatever to fly into the net make a hole <laughs> and you've suddenly done it and the players suddenly aren't that protected again and i think you're right as well if people want to get on the pitch they will get on the pitch and i think perhaps it's it's more about peer pressure so you know, you see somebody throwing coins, you you know, I'm not saying you necessarily grasp them up, but even if you go and have a word with them, say that that's not the kind of thing that, you know, we want to see at football games, and mate, you never know, that might actually have an impact. Um, but yeah. whether, well, I mean, we... I've, seen it, I've seen it happen, and I've seen people just completely um, just act as if nothing has happened before, and uh, has happened, you just think, well, that's crazy. You know, yeah. you've got a player trying to take a call now, and he's been showered by with coins. You can see the person doing it, and yet no one's doing anything. Even the stewards aren't doing anything. Um, and I think it, the action needs to happen in that in that sense. You don't, they don't need the kind of nets being put up. It needs to be. It needs to happen in the in the stands in the crowd. Yep. 
Yeah, well, we, oh. we'll wait and see what happens with that one. Hmm. I, I think the FA are going to look at it, aren't they? Um, because they Rio did get hit. Yeah, bang on you the could face. see. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's using the logic as well. I was actually doing a bit of research into um, you know, previous clashes, and it wasn't so long ago that Bellamy got hit in a, in a Carling Cup game to Man United Man City, I think it was 2010, yeah. at Old Trafford. Um, and then it wasn't, I think it was la- early this year or last year when um, Chelsea Man United played and the steward got hit in the back back of a chair that got pulled off. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, it is something the FA are going to have to look at. Um, I know they've said about it earlier today that they're investigating, so we have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. So, Rich, do you want to sign off your first ever interview? Yeah, pretty much. I think, uh, David, if you just want to um, redo, uh, redo, re-say about your magazine and that, if anyone's forgotten, or... Yeah, but it's it's, uh, it's blown bubbles, and it's a completely free, independent West Ham magazine, full of uh, features and uh, other articles and uh, interviews with all kinds of ex-West Ham players. And uh, you can read it online absolutely free at www.blowing-bubbles.co.uk. And you can also get it delivered to your door on the Friday before match days. Great stuff. All right, then. Well, thanks for that, David. Thank you for being a fan of the week. Yeah, I'm sure we'll look forward to many more magazines during the season. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, David. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. So, well done, Rich. Your first ever fan of the weekend. Yeah. I'd like to thank David. Obviously, I'd like, like find David. Was it be an mum and dad? <laughs> your mum and dad? No, no, no. Um, Don't know them. So, another interview for you now, listeners. Um, this is a man called Norman Giller. Uh, Sean, I believe, first made contact to him via Twitter, mm. um, and it turns out he's a very good friend of the late great Bobby Moore, and he's recently written a book um, about Bobby Moore and West Ham. And this is Sean's interview that he recorded with him uh, earlier this week. And we welcome to more than just a podcast. He's a veteran journalist. He was born in the East End. He's an author of 94 books. 20 of them were co-authored with former Hammer Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Reeves, uh, Jimmy Greaves even. And he's a good friend to the late, great West Ham legend Bobby Moore. Welcome to the podcast, Norman Giller. Well, welcome to you, um, Sean. It's uh, very nice of you to drop in. Um, so... Before we move on and talk about your latest Bobby Moore book, um, let's let's talk about your connection to the East End and, and West Ham. So uh, I understand you started your journalist career at the Stratford Express, and that's where you met Bobby. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm the, the kid from Cable Street. Um, I, I, I grew up in the East End, and um, I started my journalistic career in 1957 at the Stratford Express, which um, older readers or listeners will remember was um, a very lively and robust uh, local paper that sold 100,000 every week which was a a huge sale in those days and um, our main market place was uh, of course West Ham United Football Club and so um, as sports editor there I I, um, worked very closely with the then manager Ted Fenton and uh, he uh, heard that I wanted to write um, an article called The Apprentice, which was going to be a series on on young young players um, and how they spent their time, what sort of money they earned. And the three players he presented me with were um, Tony Scott, Andy Smiley, and one Robert Frederick Chelsea Moore. And yep. um, from then on, Bobby and I became very close friends. Yes, and and I, I think you talk some of that in the book, which we we'll talk about later. So, uh, fast tracking a little bit, but you um, you then went on to become the chief reporter 
uh, football reporter or sports uh, reporter for the Daily Express. And yes, you, you... I was chief reporting um, in, um, from, well, I was a reporter from 64 and chief reporter from 1966, so I was there right at the peak and uh, saw Bobby climb the steps uh, three times, the famous 39 steps as they were then. Yes. So I think you were what, a, what, a group of one small Bobby's friends that um, had a secret, and I think it's come out, and I think you cover it in the book, about that he suffered cancer before and he had yeah, testicular yes, cancer. I, 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 I'm really angry with myself, and uh, there are a very small um, clique of um, journalists who, who knew that Bobby w was in hospital having um, a testicle uh, removed. It, it was cancerous. And in, in those days, um, cancer was a, a word that... that, that Few, few people even uttered, let alone put it in a newspaper, and so we kept it quiet. But but nowadays, I mean, when you think of like Lance Armstrong, I mean, we, we we would have turned Bobby into a huge hero. You know what he went through just two years before collecting the World Cup. It, it was 1964 he had the operation after skippering West Ham um, in the FA Cup final against Preston. Had the operation, had a testicle removed. Nobody knew about it. I assume the club knew about it. Uh, well, only, only a very handful, only, only a few people even in the club. I mean, yeah. it was, as, as I say, in those days you didn't mention the, the big C. But, uh, now, it seems almost impossible to keep secrets in football nowadays, yeah, so yeah. I, don't, I don't see you'd be able to do it nowadays. Well, a, a, a journalist would have got sacked on the spot to, to, today if uh, they, they didn't print that story, but we, we, we hushed it up. Hmm. Uh, and it, it makes the best motives, you know. it makes it makes a man e even greater to know oh. that you know he went on 1966 um, with some other West Ham teammates to win the World Cup. And I understand, and I, again, I read this on the internet, uh, so everything must be true that you got access to the England dressing room straight after the final and got to touch the trophy before you were ushered what, 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 out. What I, what I craftily did, I, I almost tied myself to a chap called Lem Went, who was the PR at uh, Wembley. And uh, he could walk through in, in, any any uh, door without showing passes. And uh, Lim was a good pal of mine, and, and I almost shackled myself to him. And we got down to the dressing room, and I got myself in as, as the boys came in off the pitch. Um, coupled, hugged, hugged Bobby, t touched, touched the cup, and then um, Alf Ramsey uh, quickly booted me out. <laughs> because uh, Al Alf, um, throughout his career, always considered uh, the dressing room as private as a woman's boudoir, you know, you do, journalists were just not allowed in there. Yes, yes, and what, you know, it will be fondly remembered that that cup. Um, move, moving on to the next World Cup, obviously it went the opposite way for Bobby when he was falsely accused of stealing. I mean, you, you were close to him. How, how did that affect him? Well, well, well I was in Mexico, and, um, and, and I, I met Bobby at the airport with, with a few hundred other people, and... Um, as he came off the plane, um, he shouted, "Over the moon, baby!" because he saw Jeffrey Green of the Times, and, uh, and, that, and that, that was their catchphrase. And all the Mexican and, and, and all the world's press wanted to know what Bobby said, what his first words were, and uh, they couldn't understand why he was shouting out, "Over the moon, baby!" And um, I got Jimmy Greaves, who was out there after the World Cup rally, in which he'd, he'd driven um, 7,000 miles to get to Mexico. And I got Jimmy in to see Bobby in, in the embassy hideaway. And um, Bob, Bobby was um, incredibly um, cool about it all. And uh, God knows how he handled handled it. But he knew he was innocent. Yeah. So um, he, he took it all in his stride. And, of course, he was the best defender in that World Cup. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, and for a long time since. Can you remember his tackle against um, Yezino? Well, I, I was uh, a little bit young at the time. I was only born in '68, so is it, is every, it, everything I've seen, I've well documented. I mean, yes, obviously sort of I've seen replays and everything yeah. of, of '66 and, and, and '70 as well. So also read um, that you were a member of the Bobby Moore Drinking Club, and one of those venues was the Black Lion, and, and that's where I drink pre and post match for West Ham games, and that was there after the the glorious last Saturday when we beat Chelsea. Well, my, my, my first love is boxing. In, in fact, oh right, so you've got the amateur boxing club right next to. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it, they they had their their training quarters there, and um, it, just last year I, I was I was back there with uh, for Terry Terry Swink's funeral. I, I delivered the eulogy for Terry, who's a dear old friend of mine. And um, the year earlier, I was I was back again, or close to there, for um, Terry Lawless's funeral because Terry Lawless, um, the boxing manager, he was my my closest friend, and I actually sang Bubbles in the in the pulpit. Excellent. Is there a, there a clip of that on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish there was. Uh, although because I've got, uh, I have leanings towards Tottenham, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. And well, you've told everybody now on this on, on this if, podcast. If they saw me singing bubbles in the pulpit in the church. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us. I know the first rule of probably Bobby Moore's Drinking Club is you don't talk about Bobby Moore's Drinking Club. But is there anything you can tell us now of what antics you used to? Well, well the, the first rule was that um, you. You didn't tell tales out of school, and the second rule was that you, you, you got a, a round in. Well, actually, that was, that was the first rule with Bobby. But, but I don't know if you know, Bobby had hollow legs, and uh, he could outdrink Greasy, for instance, and um, never, without any showing any signs of having drunk, drunk so much. Mm. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say um, that he was he was misbehaving, but um, he, he certainly drunk more than his share, and. Uh, and but Bobby would have accepted that if you'd asked him later in his life, you know that uh, he 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 had this incredible um, appetite for booze. Yeah. But uh, well, we always have a pint to Bobby um, when we're at the the, the Black Line. So um, the last week we, we certainly thought that. You talked about boxing as a connection with the Black Line. Uh, I understand you knew uh, David Gold's brother, Ralph. Gold. Yes, um, and when, when I was in Express, it would have been 1957, I think you'll find, or 58, that he he won the London uh, Amateur ABA title at the Albert Hall, and um, which, which which when you think in those days there, there were 9,000 licensed amateur boxers in London alone, so um, it was an incredible feat by Ralph, and uh, he was very very proud of himself. Didn't he once tell you he was going to own West Ham? Has, it, has his brother, yeah, yeah. has his brother, cause sibling rivalry, just done it too? <laughs> R- R- Ralph was a West Ham fanatic, as, as is as is David, of course. Yeah. And um, it, it was always their their aim to um, to get their hands on West Ham eventually. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, obviously David has has finally done it. Let's let's move on and talk about your book. So your your latest book, your ninety fourth book is called Bobby Moore, the Master. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Bobby Moore um, after he retired. Um, he was doing a summer soccer school in, in Surrey. Uh, uh, my brother was, was uh, in that soccer school, and I got to meet him. I had my photograph taken. It's a very treasured possession of mine now. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of talk that, you know, he was left after the, he had this great career. He was left, and I know he met uh, Stephanie, etc. But you probably knew him better than anyone after that. What? 
what was the real man like after after football? Well, can I can I say first first of all, I have to tell you my medical history, so so yeah. you understand. Um, um, Ninety uh, two thousand seven, I um, I had bowel cancer, and it was exactly the same cancer that uh, that beat Bobby, but but thanks to the research that has gone in to bowel cancer since Bobby passed on um, in uh, nineteen ninety three, um, that they were able to um, save my life. In fact, the um, the surgeon said to me that he'd uh, removed a, a tumour the size of Mike Tyson's. Um, <laughs> the size of Mike Tyson's fist, mm. and I responded that I'm glad it wasn't as big as another part of his anatomy. <laughs> so I've cleared that up for you. Yeah. And um, uh, because because of that connection with bowel cancer, I, I thought I wanted to put something back, and so mm. I've, I've written this book, and all, and all profits will be going to the bowel cancer, the Bobby Moore Bowel Cancer Fund, which Stephanie, his widow, set up in 1993. And you're still friends with Stephanie, are you? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she, she's written a forward to the book. So tell us, what, what what's in the book? Well, it's um, it, the, the main thrust of the book is uh, Bobby's um, Eng- England career because um, he, had, he played 108 times for England and uh, there's a, a summary of every single match. And um, this is mixed and shaken with uh, his, his, his club career. Uh, including, of course, the, the 64 FA Cup final, 65 Cup Winners' Cup final, um, and, then, and then ending with him playing for Fulham against West Ham in 74. Hmm. So it, uh, it, it, go, it goes through his footballing life and times. So I know this is probably a bit of an unfair question, but uh, with the recent news, the Olympic Stadium, you knew Bobby Moore, you know, more than anyone, um, or, or as you know, as good as anyone. Um, what would he think about the whole Olympic Stadium and leaving the bowling ground? Do you think? Where, where I would think, I think? Can I some Bobby? Bobby always liked the best. Um, he, he had impeccable taste, and he would have wanted the best stadium in the land. And I can't think of a better stadium. As much as I love the history. Of, of Upton Park and the Chicken Run and and all the wonderful things that have happened there, I think this is an incredible um, chance for for West Ham to establish themselves as a major club in the country, and or even in Europe, and uh, to get their hands on the Olympic Stadium will be a wonderful, wonderful thing. As much as it will hurt the traditionalists, I know a lot of people will spit blood thinking they've got to leave the bowling, but they're going to going to hopefully go to the to the best stadium in the, in the land. Yes. Uh, it already has a history, which, uh, <laughs> thanks to the Olympics. I think a lot of people would agree with that sentiment as, And a, as a lot well. of people won't, but I hope those who are, who are anti it will, will sit back, sit down and think, hold on, if, if, I, if I was buying a, a new house, would, would, would I want this cramped house or, or the mansion? You've got to go for the mansion. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hope, you know, David Golden, David Sullivan... Uh, approve right. Uh, some are saying it's a gamble. I'm, I'm certainly for it, and I think you know you have to embrace change and, uh, and move the club on. You know we can't just live on Bobby Moore's era of the 60s forever. A lot of people say we, we live in the past, um, but you know I would like us to recapture that former glory, and you know the, a West Ham team be a catalyst for another World Cup winning in in the future and i think the stadium is is, is part of that journey yeah and and and, and for, t- for tomorrow's fans you know it's the right move you know for, for, forget your traditions for a while think of think of the youngsters you know and, and the wonderful ground they'll have to grow yeah. up in and, and 
and it will quickly get its own atmosphere. And finally, and most importantly, um, how can people buy your book? How much is it, and, and how, how can right, they buy it, and um, can they get it before Christmas? Uh, if, if they order now, it's, it's um, £15, um, and plus, plus postage, and they can only, only get it through my website, which is www.normangillerbooks.com, and all details are there. And um, if you get your order in quickly, I can get it to you for, for Christmas. Yeah, well, I, I will certainly put in my order as well. Uh, funny enough, just one other thing. I noticed you wrote another book about West Ham, and I managed to get a signed copy by Trevor Brooking on eBay for £20. Oh, that, that was Hammers 80. Hammers it? 80. Yeah. So I was at that the uh, FA Cup as a very young boy. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I noticed you wrote another book about... Well, I got in the dressing room then as well, but I was, I was welcomed then by, by John Lyon, who was, right. a, who was a good dear old friend of mine. And you, you and uh, I think Trevor Brooking did it forward to that. And yes, as I say, yeah, yeah. There, there are still books signed by Trevor Brooking on eBay, and I bought one for twenty pounds. So and they're in very good condition. So that's just arrived. So I'll be buying the Bobby book as well. We'll also put the uh, link on our Facebook group as well, and put it on Twitter. So uh, it's very kind of you, Sean. And uh, as I say, all profits are going to um, a very deserving cause, the Bobby Moore cancer fund and eventually that just may help one of your loved ones yes absolutely well certainly so the research pass, they do is incredible please pass on our, our uh, good wishes to stephanie as you speak to her mm -hmm. and thanks for being a guest on more than just a podcast and thank you thank you for inviting me and uh i'm forever blowing bubbles <laughs> thanks norman so that was norman giller thank you very much for your yeah, time really Paul. really interesting indeed, indeed. yeah um Finish each other's sentences. Yeah, sorry. We should be a double act. Hey, uh, we have, we're running out of time. We're nearly done, Reese. I know. We wouldn't have thought that right at the beginning, would you? It's just <laughs> just a little bit of time left for this. Which should be Facebook, because it's only Facebook today. It's fine. Um. We quickly put out, just before we start recording, on the Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash more than just a podcast, saying, George and Reese are about to record this week's podcast. Please send in your questions. And you can Go be on, on the, the podcast 72 tonight. 72 likes. So, no, that's 72 people who like our page, but that's still good. Oh, I thought, or only is it one the number person. 72 likes our page? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, Nigel Khan says, looking at the way Cole is performing, is it worth paying out the 17 million for Andy Carroll, or should we look at other ways to spend the money? Definitely look at other ways to spend the money. money. Uh, Cole is not. It's just. I just don't. I just don't know if. I'd, I'm, I happily keep Andy Carroll because he offers something to the team, but maybe not at that price. Is no. The no, 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 no. Um, it's got nothing to elsewhere. do with the way Cole's playing. To be honest, I think if there's 70 million in the in the transfer kitty potentially, I'd try a cheeky move for Bent. I know what happened before, but mm. I think you might get a cut price deal for someone like that. But I wouldn't look as a long-term solution for Cole. I'd look to upload him. Michael Johnson has wrote in and said, Hi, guys. Just wondering if you know about Diara's availability. He could be a, be a good replacement for Diarmi. Well, Michael Johnson, you're in luck because I saw a tweet earlier this week from David Gold. He was asked this very question, um, and he said that Diarmi, um, Diara sorry, is um, in back in light training and could be available for selection in January. So mm. we're going to have to front a couple of weeks without the yeah. army, I think. Just um, on the the, the army subject. He, he's come out and said that he's only out for three weeks. Is it um is it 
he's the one with the he's got a buyout clause, isn't he? In his contract. Okay. Seven is, mil, is, it, is it is it West Ham is it was West Ham that have said uh, it was uh three months potentially. What source said it it was three months he was out? Um, West Ham said he was out for three months. Because I, yeah. I think, think I think it might be a ploy to try and get people off. Well, him he's come out. He's come out today. I think it was on News Up Mother Brown earlier today mm. that he'd come out and said that he's only out for three weeks, and so the club's saying three months. Yeah, <laughs> so you can read into it what you will, but I mean, January transfer windows, big teams are going to look for someone like him. Might be a hard thing trying to keep him. So I think maybe the injury scare might have tried yeah, to. Yeah, I think we'll keep him to the end of the season. People I think, off. If he oh, definitely keep him. Yeah, definitely. But he um, might be hard to keep. Hard to keep. Yep. Uh, that's that's the only two Facebook question comments we had in today. Um, but we did only put it out 40 minutes before. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we even got some. So, um, so that's us nearly done, Reese. Um, just one last little thing left. Predictions. The last little thing. West Brom away on Sunday. Mm. Your score prediction? I will, I'm going to go host. with uh, a draw. I'm going to go with a nil-nil ball. Um, I'm going to say we going to draw one all and I think your prediction is very similar to Sean who recorded his prediction of course earlier and here it is So my prediction for West Brom away it's going to be a tough game um, former West Ham assistant manager Steve Clark's doing a really good job there um, I think we're, we're set up um, to be quite hard to beat, a little bit of long ball and I think it's going to end in a ball draw so I'm going to go for nil-nil and a hard-earned point at West Brom away. Very similar. Are you yeah, sure you I didn't? No, but I don't know who nil-nil is. Is is that Neil a Neil. relative or Neil friend Neil. of uh, Gary Neville's dad, Neville Neville? Neville Neville. Oh, well, that's us nearly done, Rhys. Good work today, Rhys. Done really well. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's only two of us. Troops were down. Thank you for listening to Monster Podcast Podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with hopefully a better result to talk about. And uh, more people. And more people. I love carrots. Oh, do you, Sean? Thank you for listening to Monster Podcast Podcast. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) See you later. Bye bye. I love carrots.